top MMA voices Ariel Hawani, Chuck Mindenhall, and Pizza Carroll are live on the Spotify Greenroom app for every major MMA card with the Ringer MMA show. Hear the guys react to weigh-ins in real time and find out what they think of the fights the moment the final card ends. Plus, when breaking MMA news happens, they'll be live to talk to you about it. And if you missed the Green Room show, you can hear it as a podcast anytime on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Conflict, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Killian, Kevin O'Controversy, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin! Burnout! It's Tuesday. What's going on, my friend? How you doing? Well, I'm doing great. I'm super excited because since we last spoke, Clay Thompson made his return to the court. And luckily... His second game back is going to be tonight in Memphis, Tennessee, when the Golden State Warriors take on the red-hot Memphis Grizzlies. This actually turns out to be an amazing game uh, in the midst of the schedule because the Grizzlies have won nine games in a row, and now they are facing the team that has been outstanding and just got back one of their best players in Clay Thompson. And let's start with Clay. I was excited to watch this the other night. And I think everybody that is an NBA observer wanted to see what he would look like. It had been so long since we had watched Clay Thompson uh, play basketball. He has overcome and rehabbed two different really bad injuries. And I don't know how you felt. I thought he looked great, all things considered. Um, it wasn't exactly, you know, the, the the best offensive game you've ever seen. But watching him move defensively and then just the moving around screens, the dunk on everybody, even the first play coming around a curl and going to the basket and kind of floating in the air. like. 
I kind of felt like if you didn't tell me that the guy had lost two seasons to basketball, I wouldn't have noticed. Yeah, there seemed like another good clay game. It wasn't an outstanding clay game, and but we will see those. And I mean, with clay, I think defensively, he got blown by a couple of times, but he also had a place with Shantavin Mobley where he battled and took every single, every single push that Mobley made trying to back him down. And the, the fight that he's always had was there. The shooting ability he always had was there. The ability to have that like the slow crossover on that dunk and then the mean grin, <laughs> the mean mug that he had turning back. I mean, with Clay, it just seemed like Clay Thompson was out there. It's as if nothing changed with him and the great games will come. I, I mean, I, I kind of felt a little bit of emotion watching him, Chris, honestly, because 941 days I was in the arena that last time. And I, and I always will remember just when he came out to shoot those two free throws, how loud it was at Oracle. Now across the street at Chase Center, a lot of things have changed since the last time we saw Clay play basketball. Um, but Clay Thompson, it doesn't seem like he's changed. Well, and just watching him, the major thing to me was the ability to drive and go to the basket because that is the concern. Every, look, Clay Thompson is one of those guys that is going to be able to shoot a basketball until he's 90 years old. Years ago, when, when I first started, in the media, um, Jerry West was the general manager uh, of the Grizzlies. And every once in a while, if you hung around like after practice or if we were in the gym, you know, everybody's just kind of meandering about. He would be out there talking to somebody and a ball would bounce over there. And there was one time he was out there. And I mean, I'm talking, he's probably. I don't know, it, mid to late 60s at the time, Kevin, it was automatic. Like, no misses. No, no rim. Like, every time he shot it. Boom, boom, boom. I'm, and I would guess he probably hadn't touched a basketball. I don't know when the last time. It's not like Jerry West still played. You know what I mean? And it's just one of those. And that's kind of how I think about it when I think about Clay Thompson. Clay Thompson is going to be 80 years old. It's like the muscle memory. He is going to be able to just drain shots till the end of time. But are you going to be able to drive to the basket? Because you're a much different player if you're just a, a shooter, right? And that was the thing to me. He looked athletic. You know, I mean, he's never been a massive above-the-rim player, but the fact that that is, you know, that he was comfortable enough to drive. And they say, so from some of the things that I've read, that, and we, you and I talked about this, there was the luxury of him being able to not be 100%, but 110 or 120% because their record was so great. And I believe it was Nick Friedel talked about how he and Kevin Durant had talked a bunch and they are still friendly. And Durant had told him, you know, do not, do not rush this, take your time on this. And so it's been nice to see both KD come back because it was not long ago that Achilles felt in many ways, like a basketball death sentence. You were never going to be the same. Even if you came back, you know, uh, you weren't, you're were never going to be what you were. And KD 
has been obviously amazing. And you wouldn't know that he had an Achilles injury. And let's hope the same is true of Clay. But I don't know. My first impression was he looked like Clay Thompson to me. <laughs> you know? I mean, let, let's hope the, the good health continues for Clay. Um, you, you never know if things can just fall apart. But ultimately, I mean, like the Warriors, they operated extremely cautiously here with Clay. I mean, as you said, they had no reason to rush him back and they didn't rush him back. Um, they, the, his Clay's team, as well as the Warriors, have waited as long as they possibly could until it made sense. So you just have to trust that. And with Clay, now he returns and he seems to be healthy. It seems like, you know, the Achilles injury is no longer a death sentence, as you said, assuming Katie continues in good health and great elite performance, assuming Clay does as well. And so for the Warriors now, you know, they're 30 and nine. Tied with Phoenix in the top of the Western Conference, and they just got Clay Thompson back for his first game. And granted, Draymond is going to be out for a little bit. He's sitting Tuesday night against Memphis, but like the, this team, like we're we we haven't quite seen it still yet because Draymond only played five seconds for the opener on Sunday for Clay, and he won't play Tuesday. We still haven't seen this team at full strength, but we are really about to see though. Steph, Clay, and Draymond with. Andrew Wiggins playing at like a borderline all-star level at this point. Like we joked about Wiggins when the trade first happened, Chris, no, no, nobody could have seen him turning into the player that he has with golden state at this level with this consistency. You got a deep bench pool going in the bench. Now Peyton Porter, Iguodala is, is, is this team the clear favorite, Chris? Are they the clear this? favorite? And here's one that you have not mentioned, which under any other circumstance, would be a massive deal. The number two pick from last year's draft is about to come back too. Like it's like James Wiseman doesn't even exist. It's the weirdest thing. Like usually, right? It's like that is just a luxury for them. And I know that people got down on James's first year. He is a seven-footer that runs the floor. When you're talking about that being a possible backup center, when you talk <laughs> about that being a useful piece slash luxury that you don't necessarily need yet is available to you when you're going up against and you think about some of the best teams in the West, most exclusively that other team with 30 wins, you don't think James Wiseman's useful against Phoenix? Running up and down with DeAndre Ayton? I mean, he's right around the corner from coming back, too. So it's not just Clay; It's Wiseman. Look, there's no question. If they reach, if everybody stays healthy and they reach their potential, to me, there is a collision course between those two teams. And you never know the way this stuff is going to play out. It takes one injury to derail it for anybody. But, and I'm going to see Golden State tonight in person for the first time. I have not, and it's not going to be necessarily fair without Draymond. But the best team that I have seen this year was Phoenix. I thought that was the best basketball team that I saw. Just all the pieces, um, kind of how they're interchangeable, what they can do defensively. I thought that was the best team. 
that I have seen. And so I'll stick with that right now, but there's no question that we have not seen the full version of Golden State. And if they are the full version and they are able to remain healthy, then I don't know favorite, but I'd certainly say co-favorite. I think that anything other than those two teams meeting up would be a big upset in my mind. And I'm including Utah, I'm including Memphis, I'm including everybody else. Those two teams not meeting up in the West Finals, if you ask me today, an upset, a big upset took place. And that's not it's not going out on a limb because they're the top two seeds right now, but sometimes there are the lower ones. And, and I've changed a lot as the season goes on. The Lakers are not going to be there, bro. <laughs> like, that's not happening. Yeah, I mean, we're starting to see some tiers develop here. Golden State, Phoenix, both 30 and 9. Utah, three back, 28 and 13. Memphis, three and a half back, 28 and 14. There's five games of separation between Memphis at the four seed and Dallas at the five. There's a bit of a drop off there. Uh, are those four up teams up top? Are they, you know, I mean, I know like you put Golden State and Phoenix ahead of Memphis and Utah, but like are those four teams like truly separated or does like a Dallas, you say the Lakers don't have a chance? Cl- no, Clippers, those, four, Cl- those four teams are not separated. No. And then this is why I say this I think the two, are separated. Phoenix and, and Golden State are, and then 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 everybody else. Jazz, Grizzlies, Mavs, Nuggets, Lakers. Yeah, if you told if you told me the Nuggets beat the Jazz in uh, you know what I mean, if that's six three, or if the Clippers got back Kawhi or the Lakers or whoever, like I think that all those others, I could foresee a circumstance where if the Nuggets get Murray back and the Clippers get Kawhi back, I mean, look, this West is going to get much, much deeper as the year goes on and guys get their uh, teams get their guys back. You know, you add Kawhi Leonard to the Clippers and you add Jamal Murray to the Nuggets. It's a different deal here. And that Mavericks team has been playing great basketball and has been awesome defensively. And I know you got a pod coming up with our buddy Charks later this week that you're going to be talking about Dallas. But Dallas has really gotten going. And as the season goes on, inevitably, Luke will get in better shape. And he's still he's still the guy that in a playoff series, no matter who was on the other side, could be the best player in a playoff series. That, that's what Chark says on the pod on Wednesday. Charks is, like, Charks is like, do people realize the level of basketball with that Clippers Mavericks series last year where Kawhi's like reaching deep into his bag. Luca's averaging over 35. I mean, Luca, despite some of the flaws and despite some of the criticisms, is still <laughs> he plays himself into shape and is still like an all NBA MVP caliber talent. And this to me is extremely easy to validate in the sense of those two teams. Phoenix made it to the West Finals last year, Golden State. Went to the finals five times and and won three titles with, you know, the three guys that are going to be out there. So they all have their bona fides. When you look down further than that, right now, Utah has not been out of the first round. So you can't believe in them until they do it. Memphis is so far ahead of where anyone expected them to be but they they played in a first round matchup against that 
Jazz team last year, and they lost that. And so while Utah has been able to win in the first round, they haven't been able to, you know, advance after that. They haven't played in the finals yet. Um, you know, the rest of those teams, the the Clippers, they've been they were a massive disappointment, even when we saw them all together as a unit. And then Denver is the one, you know, that actually has some bona fides where you feel like, okay, they've been in some really hard-fought playoff series. They've got scars. You know, Dallas, they got some scars, but they still haven't been out of the first round. So I'm just saying there's only two of those. And look, LeBron, and they get LeBron and AD healthy. That team stinks. But that is a formidable force if those two are healthy, regardless of the three whoever's around them. And it's still going to be a problem to defeat him four times in seven games. So I just think this all gets way, way deeper. But I do think there's co-favorites that I would put way ahead of everybody else right now. I think that's a very, very, very fair and thorough stance. Um, I mean, I, I think like you, you nailed it there with those teams being separated from everybody else. I, I still think I, I like some of what we're seeing from the Lakers more than a lot of people do. I mean, I, I know like I, I feel like I'm everybody's zigging and I feel like it's like as if I'm zagging, but I, I can only feel how I feel. And I think with LeBron at the five, if if like I'm going to qualify it. If AD returns and if he stays healthy and if he looks like the AD of old, once that LeBron at center lineup becomes something that you do when it makes sense to do rather than something that you're doing all the time is your default starting lineup. I think things are going to click into a place into a different type of way for the Lakers than what it looks like right now, where they're losing against the good teams like Memphis and they're struggling against uh, where they're losing against the good teams and they're only beating the bad opponents, I think they're still trending up and they figured things some things out with that small ball lineup. So I said everything that I said, but here's the truth, Kevin. It's very difficult to foresee a circumstance where the Grizzlies ever lose a game again. And if that is so, <laughs> then the championship <laughs> is on the horizon. It's um, won. It's over. It's time to end the season. Just pre-simulate. Pre to free agency. That's what we got to do here. And there was a 21 to 0 run late in the fourth quarter by all the backups in that Lakers game. The Grizzlies could have named their number. They could have beaten them by 40 or 50 or whatever they wanted to. And they were way under LeBron's skin. He was they going chose, crazy. They chose 8. That's the number they chose to win by. 8. Well, it was a 21 to one, a 0 run at the end at Austin Reeves and Wayne Ellington, you know, at the end of that game. Did, you, did you get nervous at all? Did you just sweat a little bit? Absolutely not. <laughs> now, LeBron was furious with the Grizzlies. They really get under his skin. He told them that they talked too much. And there was an executive in the athletic last week that said they talk the most shit in the league. They, I like it. They do. I like they're, it. They're young and they run their mouth the entire time. Bane, but, Bane talks. I mean, he talked trash with Josh Green at a press conference weeks ago. <laughs> big time. And they and look, they've been backing it up. And the Morant block the other night. Oh my goodness! Wow! 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 It looked like it was out of a video game, didn't it? 
The only other time that I've ever been like, what the hell just happened <laughs> was when he tried to jump over Kevin Love. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he almost completed the most amazing dunk in the history of the NBA. If he really does go completely over, because Vince Carter's over Fred Vice, that happened in international basketball. This would have been in an NBA setting. And if he completed that dunk while jumping completely over Kevin Love, did that? Uh, uh, but that's the last time where, and he does the most spectacular things I have ever witnessed a basketball player do in person. But that block and the fact that he hit his face on the backboard. <laughs> I mean, he had a dunk later in the game where his whole head was completely above the rim, and it wasn't the best highlight from the game. The two-handed block as he is, and and I even saw, like, even last night, I was watching the national uh, championship game, the college game, and I saw a tweet come across my timeline. Someone had retweeted it, and it said, Something to the effect of, I don't know how I'm just seeing this, but this is insane. And it had like the head exploding emojis. And it was Patrick Mahomes talking about it. Like the whole world to be talking about a block in a regular season game. That's how you know. When Patrick Mahomes is tweeting about it a day later, that's when you know. And he better start the All-Star game. I think he's going to, but right now it's Curry and I believe it was Luke on first draw. But I think by the time it's all said and done, he'll get to start the All-Star game. Morant? Yes. Morant Mar- will be an All-Star, no doubt No, 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 start, start the All-Star game. Maybe, yeah, that, I mean, we'll see how the fan vote goes and all that, too. That's what it's dependent upon. Should be. I mean, we'll see how me- well, media votes as well, for that matter, but, I mean, he should be a starter. And I think that after... Uh, I think I, I think after the the more viral moments you have, the easier it is to become an all star, right? Dude, I mean, like that 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 was just nuts. It only would have been better if like he fully caught the ball despite his face hitting the backboard. Yes, <laughs> and he was I trying mean, to. Was, yeah, I mean, just the way he even just kind of like paced his steps in preparation of his leap, his launch, his takeoff. I mean, he knew he knew he was grabbing that basketball. He knew it before everybody else did. And he has been outrageous. They went and they beat the Clippers. They beat the Lakers. They've won nine in a row. And it sets up that game with the Warriors, which is going to be an amazing game going on tonight. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. I mentioned the Suns as a co-favorite. How about the Raptors? I saw that that game is tonight. Like, this is going a little under the radar, but the Raptors have a chance to win, I believe it's seven in a row now. Seven in a row, yep. And they play Phoenix. 
So you've got two of these teams that have these long win streaks playing on their home floors, playing, you know, simultaneously the two best teams in the West. So with Memphis playing against Golden State and Toronto playing against Phoenix, and you better believe people are starting to perk up if the Raptors knock off Phoenix tonight as part of that uh, as part of that win streak because they have uh, they've really gotten going and put themselves in a much more secure spot as we're now about midway through the season. Yeah, and and with Toronto. Uh, they're in a situation right now where in their six-game win streak, five of the games have been at home. And what we're seeing teams do is they're not sending, for the most part, all of their starters across the border. A lot of their players are resting, like Utah barely sent anybody. They had Jared Butler and Trent Forrest starting in their backcourt, Whiteside at center. Um, you know, the, the, every, the, the, they beat the Pelicans, they beat the Knicks. So like they, the schedule that they've had recently has not been amazing for Toronto. However, the flip side of that, you could say that they have a weaker schedule at home and that they're facing depleted opponents, but you could also say for the first time all season, Toronto has their seven, eight best players healthy. Van Vliet is a different player as of late. They have upped his usage to a superstar level, and he's performing like a superstar as well, averaging over 30 points the last six games, but it actually goes back to mid-December before he was out for a short amount of time. So Van Vliet is playing at an elite level right now. The Raptors are healthy. They're playing their lineups with five guys who are all 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", super versatile. The Raptors right now feel like a different team from what we saw earlier in the season, despite some of the circumstances. And with this schedule coming up, Phoenix tonight at home, and then they have eight of their next 10 games on the road. We're about to find out who the Toronto Raptors really are. And I'm betting that they're at, at least better than they were early in their season. And I am fully, fully all in on Van Vliet as an all-star. Well, he just won player of the week. So it was good to get that kind of recognition. Um, as you mentioned, he has scored 31 or more in six of the past eight games. And in the past eight games, starting December 14th, he has averaged 30.6 points per game on 47% shooting, 46% from three. <laughs> All right. And that game the other night, the Sunday game, he had 32 points and a season best eight three pointers in that game. And you mentioned getting their guys back. Siakam looked like a, you can you can bag on who the opponent was, but he had 29, 10, and 7 assists. He's looking a lot like more Pascal Siakam for quite some time now. I mean, it's it's isn't it kind of funny the way kind of perception can change? Siakam, you know, is thought of extremely highly. Then he has a stretch where he's struggling. Uh, and, and now, like, there's kind of a, a stage of his career where I'm not sure people have caught up that Pascal Siakam is fully back. He, like, he's back. And he has had five or more assists in seven straight games. That's a big number, right? If he's, he's, a, playing, he's playing high-level basketball, man. And, and like I know, I know it's an empty arena in Toronto and all that, but this some of this stuff stems back to before this recent stretch in an empty home arena. Like, see, Occam's been good 
all year long. Van Vliet's been good all year long. He's just gotten even better, and the team is actually healthy now. So, uh, I like I said, I don't know if Toronto is like uh, you know a six game winning streak level of goodness, but they are good. This yeah, it's going to be. This will be a good gauge because the Suns got all their guys back. They got Aiton back. They got Crowder back. They got Javal McGee back. And they're sending everybody tonight. Phoenix going to have a full roster across the border. I mean, they had all those guys back against the Heat. Now they lost that game, but they did have those guys because um, they finally cleared uh, health and safety protocol. Aiton, Crowder, and McGee were all back in the fold. Yeah, I think only, I just looked it up, only Cam Johnson will be out due to an ankle sprain. So Phoenix is going to pretty much be full health. And, and for, for, the, for what it's worth, I mean, I, I think as, I mean, how many players have been in protocols? Like a third of the league? Half the league? I mean, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a constantly increasing amount. Uh, over the next couple of months after this stretch, a lot of teams aren't going to have to worry as much about sending pe- uh, people across the border or anywhere, for that matter, if they've already had it and they're vaxxed and boosted. So we're about it to has enter felt a stretch like it's with, died with, down a little bit. Yeah, yeah, there'll be less guys in protocols moving forward. I mean, we went through about a week there where, y- you know, much like, dur- much like during uh, the trade deadline or free agency, Woj and Shams are battling, you know, for news on who's... <laughs> Who's going into health and safety protocols? I swear to God, it was. I mean, I've got those notifications so that I could see the breaking news, and it was like back and forth every day for about two straight weeks, all day. Yeah, it's 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 something else. Yeah, it was nonstop, and it has slowed down. And I mean, it's slowing down in some countries right now that were further ahead of the head of the U.S. Um, we'll see how things develop. Another team that has been very hot is the Philadelphia 76ers. And they've been on fire, and Embiid has been playing at a crazy level, Kev. And, you know, these last 10 games, 31, 8, and 6, 31-12-7, 31-5-4, 31-15-10, 34-7-1, 36, 11, and 4, 36, 13, and 2 blocks, 41, 10, 5 blocks, 32, 9, 6, six. like he is, this is crazy. These numbers are just freaky. And, you know, they keep on winning, and it is because of him. Now, there's another guy that's having a great season kind of under the radar, and that's Curry's brother, Seth Curry, um, is another one, because Tobias Harris' numbers are down, but we have gotten the full-on Joel Embiid superstar experience over the past 10 games, and it does put Philly in a different spot as the topic that always comes up with them is how are they going to improve? What will they do this year? How does the Ben Simmons fiasco end? But whatever you're doing with it, you're adding to a guy that is playing at beyond an MVP level. I mean, that is every night. I mean, Embiid, Embiid is constantly building. 
every every single year and beat has gotten better i mean like tra- trace it back whether it's the improvement of his jump shot the improvement of his feel out of a post when he gets double teamed his passing this year he's bringing up the ball more often going coast to coast after some defensive rebounds like he's constantly experimenting even with the stuff that doesn't work like i mentioned him bringing the ball up the court he's taking the ball up the court sometimes and taking some pull-up threes as a, as a seven footer nearly 300 pounds and he's making nearly 40 percent of his catch and shoot threes he just does everything on the offensive end of the floor and anchors the defense with him now playing at this level back to the guy that was an mvp candidate we saw last season except even better except even better than last season Philly Philly suddenly is looking like they're in a position now. The roster is starting to take some shape. They just they they need to find something for for Ben Simmons that makes sense to do. The, did you see over the weekend, really this past week, Sam Amick at the Athletic said uh no, Mark Stein was the first to say, I believe, that Atlanta is a team to watch for Ben Simmons. Um Shams and others at the Athletic followed up this week saying that it could be like a John Collins. He's unhappy. He could go back to Philly. Cam Reddish's name has been involved a lot in a lot of different stuff. Is there, I mean, is there a poetic trade to make to send Ben Simmons to Atlanta, the place where this all unraveled? (laughs) Where where, is there something that makes sense for Philly? So the way that works is somebody reports it. So Stein kind of throws out Atlanta and then everybody starts calling around. And then as of yesterday, or the day before, Brian Windhorst and Mark Spears say that I guess they had talked to people on the Atlanta side, and they had thrown out there that they kind of like talked about it, and it seemed as if that in the absence of Daryl being able to get one of these like number one guys, these you know, one of the top 30 players in the league, whatever you want to say, uh, was the kind of the line in the sand that he had drawn at one point that now one of the motivations was, all right, if I'm not going to be able to do that, then I got to get off the Harris contract. And they presented a scenario where... So they, they t- I didn't know they talked about that on the pod because I've heard that too, packaging Harris with Simmons. That's- so they presented a scenario where... Travis Slink is, they're like, yeah, okay, let's talk about Ben Simmons and let's see how we can put this together. Because they got a bunch of stuff. They got expirings. You know, they got uh, Solomon Hill, Lou Williams, those guys expirings. They got the Gallinari thing. They've got Reddish. They've got John Collins, as you mentioned. And they're really underachieving so far this year. But that, you know, you can have these conversations and then it's like Daryl's like, okay, but we want to get rid of Harris, too, in the deal. And then, like, you know, if you're like Travis Link, like, I don't want Tobias Harris. Like, what? Like, that's not, I'll, I'll talk to you about Ben Simmons, but I don't want. So the idea that was presented was it'll take a third team. That maybe a third team gets involved in something that makes that happen. And clearly, one of the teams to keep an eye out for in all those kind of deals. Because look, Packaging Simmons and Harris is like seventy million dollars. Like it's, it's six sixty-eight point nine million dollars, almost sixty-nine, almost. But you have to have, in terms of like the money and the way that works out, you have to have fifty-six million in players to trade. 
Okay, so that's no, it's no, it's doable. I mean, like it, it is doable if you it's just those two teams because of the Gallinari contract that being in there as well. Like it, it, it is doable with Atlanta. Fifty six is tough. Fifty six is a tough number to get to. Uh, yeah, it's it's a tough number to get to, but you can get to it if you're Atlanta. They're, they're one of the few teams that could. Is a three way deal more likely in that scenario? Maybe, but but like forget about like how difficult it is to do. You know, like. It is doable. Like there is, there is, there is a deal to be made, which is why I'm curious. Like just talking about the guts of the deal, like forget about the other stuff. Like the guts of a deal is there something that makes sense involving a John Collins, Cam Reddish, a Bogdan Bogdanovich? Is is is, are, is there a foundation there for a Hawks Sixers deal that makes sense for both teams? I think there is. Interesting. I mean, one of the teams to watch is Oklahoma City if there's a third because they they're below the floor. They're like 20 million below the floor. Forget about the extra stuff. I'm talking the foundation of a deal. British. Can you Collins, put together $56 million of players? Yes, you can. I'm telling you, you can. You can. Not Easy. A, it's not, not, a, it's not, not hard a to do. Okay, do it. Okay, let's do it right now. All right, we'll do it. John Collins. Danilo All right, Gallinari. How about, what's the number? What's the number? Here's, here's what we need. If we send out Harris and Simmons to the Hawks, and then we get back Gallinari, Collins, and Reddish. You need a little bit more salary. You need a, maybe, a DeLon Wright. Let's send DeLon Wright in the deal as well. And now we have a four for two. This is in a situation where it does work financially. You could send back two league minimum players, a Charles Bassey, maybe an Isaiah Joe. I know, I know, I know Sixers fans wouldn't want to give out Paul <laughs> Reed, but maybe you put him in the deal too. You do have a deal that works with Gallo, Wright, Collins, Reddish for Harris, Simmons, Bassey, Joe. That deal, that it works. Okay. So let's, so now let's forget about the Gallo aspect. Let's forget about Bassey and Joe. I'm saying it's Collins, Reddish, and Picks. Is that appealing in return for Harris and Simmons? Is that settling if you're Philly? I think Philly can do better, but I think there's something there that makes sense. There's something there that makes sense. That trade is maybe the worst trade in NBA history. What? Gallinari, Reddish, Collins, and DeLon Wright? No. And, and picks as well. Like maybe it's two first round draft picks in there as well. Who is the best player in that? John Collins? Yeah, John Collins right now. Maybe Cam Reddish in the future going towards Philly. I mean, absolutely not. And you've got to pay and you've got to pay Cam Reddish. Yeah, you do coming have to up. pay Cam Reddish, which is one of the reasons why Atlanta, uh, according to Windhorst, uh, might not want to keep him. But Cam Reddish shooting nearly 40% from three. He's scored 30-plus multiple times this year. Has shown some serious flashes. He's a good defender. But, I mean, if you're, if you're, if you're going to pay him, you're going to be Maybe paying you him you don't, you don't have to pay him until 2023, though. That, that's, like, so far away. For a team that has championship hopes now, today, that, that's a long ways away still. And I, I don't think Cam Reddish is a win-a-championship-now player. So... To me, I think, like, I think in the right context he can be. I'm not. I'm not saying like I'm not saying I take that deal. If it's let's just say it's Reddish Collins two firsts, and you give up Simmons and you get it and you get rid of the Harris contract. You you look. You can you can entice me if you're throwing in Bogdanovich in that. Deal. Okay, so let's replace Gallo with Bogdanovich. Yes, different deal. 
to me. Okay. Different now deal at in that least, case. Now okay. at least I am getting. So we're, am, we're negotiating here. <laughs> That's what's happening. We're negotiating. <laughs> yeah, but I, I also don't want to take on the Harris contract. So. I if think you're that's, Atlanta, yeah, I but think, maybe, I think, maybe you have to take get, take it on in order to get Ben Simmons. What well, you get the, the impression that it's a non-starter. You know that they're not going to take on that Harris contract. That's why the third team thing was brought up. Um, yeah, I mean, like, like like I said though, like regardless of the all the the specifics, including a third team potentially taking on Harris, I think the guts, Reddish, Collins, Bogdanovich. Multiple firsts, like there's there's pieces for Atlanta to play with to make an an interesting offer. There's pieces. Can I speak on something that all of this talk has gone on? And I'm not saying now I have not read everything or heard everybody talk about it. Okay, but at least so far, I have not heard anybody bring up that the irony of this with the Ben Simmons era in Philly ending on a court against Atlanta and then them being the team that wants him and is going to, it might be trading for him is too much for me to take. Like of all, of all the teams, the one that he wouldn't take the shot against, the one that he almost bailed out on playing in Game 7 against, is the one that's like, you know what? We'll give up a bunch of crap if you want to unload Ben Simmons. Poetic shit. Unbelievable. And it, makes, and, and it does make some sense for Atlanta for basketball reasons. They sure as hell could use the help on the defensive end and offensively. They need another guy who can run the offense besides Trey, like Bogdanovich, Herter, I mean, Gallo for that matter, Wright, all their other ball handlers. They're secondary guys. They, they don't run the show. Ben Simmons could give them someone who can play with Trey and could be staggered to run the offense and have him facilitate everything in non-Trey minutes. I, I'd love to see what McMillan could do with Simmons and Trey. Like, I, I'm not sure what the upside is there, but he sure as hell helps two areas that they significantly need it. Yeah, and well, look, you could throw together, if I could get Collins, Bogdanovich, and if I'm Daryl and I want to play hardball and say, I want Herder, I, I want all your shooters. Herder, Herder, for what it's worth, is tough to deal because of the poison pill provision. So, like, it's possible, it's possible, but very difficult to make that happen. But I, I want it all. You know what I mean? Like, I, I want your guys. I do think that Simmons is a great pairing with Trey because of the ability, I mean, you can hide trade defensively. Like, they do have a bunch of little guards. And you can play them together. Like, uh, you know, remember, like, for weeks we're talking about Dame and Simmons, the the, the Steph Draymond style synergy those guys could have. Well, Trey, Trey Young and Ben Simmons, similar concept there. And plus with Ben, like, like in those, with Trey on the floor and in those non-Trey minutes, Atlanta could, like, run offense through Simmons, like steal from Denver's playbook and have him play around the elbows. There's there's more stuff that you can do with Simmons in the half court that Philly just isn't able to do with their personnel, but Atlanta could. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm into the I'm into the basics. Philly wants to do better. They think they can do better. Uh but come February 10th deadline day, uh that Atlanta Dale could be very, very appealing if there's picks in addition to some guys like Collins. Collins is really good, man. Like He's 6'10". He can throw down lob dunks. He, he makes over 40% of his threes. He's turned himself into a solid defender. Like John Collins is a really good player. 
He's really good. And I like imagine him with Embiid in a front court. He, 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 is, have, no, he is good. He, I'm just I'm dealing somebody that's first team all NBA. For sure. I mean, no doubt about it. And like I, I it's it might not make sense to do depending on everything else that's in the deal. But the basics of it, like I I like the idea of a maxi John Collins high pick and roll. I like the idea of Cam Reddish on the wing and the upside that he can provide. And I like the fact that if you can get picks in that deal, it's 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 one of the first non like top 20, 25 player deals for Simmons that I'm kind of into. I like I like the pieces that could go back. And here's and here's where we should leave this. With Embiid playing at a level that is best player in the league-esque right now, and no team has the opportunity to improve more than they do because they have this asset. Like Whatever you say, like when you say, have John Collins and have Bogdanovich or have whoever, right? Anything they get, is not moving off of something they're already getting. They're adding to what they got going right now, which they, they to me, are a team to really pay attention to because the needle can move more for them than anybody else. They're getting literally nothing out of that. And still only four back from the best record in the East. And you're just adding, guys. You're just adding, I mean, at worst, even, let's say you take the deal that I don't like. You're, you're still adding. I'm, I'm adding four players of depth to a team that's already in the mix and has got a guy playing like the best player in the world recently. Hundred percent. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you there, Chris. I mean, I, I think with Philly, uh, the, it, whether it's a return for Ben Simmons or Daryl Morey and, the, and Philly take this through the deadline, and Ben Simmons is like, "All right, I'm back." Either way. Like, if you're getting something back in that scenario, uh, the only thing that wouldn't work out for them this season is they don't trade Ben Simmons, and then Ben Simmons is like, <laughs> I'm not sitting out the whole year. I wasn't joking. I wasn't kidding. <laughs> I'm serious. I do like I do, I do do like that, you know, it is, it is perfect of what we know of Daryl Morey. I do love the idea that now, you know, his team's winning. He's not, he's probably feeling pretty good about where he is right now. Feels like he's got a little more... Feels like he's got a little more leverage. They're in a really good spot, Chris. They, they've played this perfectly. I know I'm on an island there, but they've played it great. It, it feels like he has a little more leverage in the situation. And then when somebody calls you, you say, all right, I'm down with it. But I want to get off the Tobias Harris contract, too. And people are like, oh, come on. Like, we're just getting to the point where we're willing to trade for Simmons. Now you're like, you greedy bastard. Like, we're not letting you get off that. I will say, Kev, you say they're in a great position. Okay, I, I want us to say this real quick, though. Real quick, real quick on Harris. I think the fact that this Tobias plus Ben Simmons stuff is starting to trickle out there. This isn't anything like that I'm reporting, so don't take it as that. I think this is a signal that they don't believe that Beal or Lillard will become available. And if those guys aren't available, it means that they're talking about other types of deals. And that includes like, well, maybe you're not getting a star in return, but you're getting multiple very good players. And also you're taking on this contract. It's a financial, you know, uh, incentive for Philadelphia. In addition, no, to no, it feels else. like a bit of a pivot where it's like, all right, it's I an evolution getting, here. Yes, I'm not getting somebody awesome, so I at least got to get off this crap contract. But 
Exactly. And that opens a up perfect. a lot of opportunities, a lot of different teams to put together packages. Don't forget Minnesota, Sacra- Sacramento, San Antonio. There's a lot of different teams that could put together multiple good players. I get it. You say they played that perfect, but both those players are at their all-time low in value. They are. Both of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't think Harris's value has changed all that much. Look but, at his numbers this year. He's yeah, having a, I don't, he's having I don't a career worst season. I know. I, and, I don't think that makes that much of a difference. I know I what? might sound stupid. I don't think I might got, sound. But I don't. I don't feel like. Do you, do you? What I'm saying is, is what I'm saying is, do you feel all that different about Tobias Harris because of 30 games? I I don't. I don't feel much different about Tobias Harris compared to 10 seasons of the past where we know who Tobias Harris is. I wish he was. I wish he was playing awesome. <laughs> Like, I mean, if I was, yeah, I know it's, it just doesn't really. If change I'm trying to trade for a guy with a punitive contract, I know. I know. I'm, all, all I'm saying is, I don't think, I don't think Tobias Harris's 30 game performance changes the fact that he's going to be making over, uh, over 40 million dollars in the final year of that contract. Regardless, if he's shooting 29 percent from three or 39 percent from three, like, like, yeah, you'd rather the latter, but it doesn't change the fact that he is not worth that salary for the purposes of the Philadelphia 76ers, which is a shame to say. He's a good player. He's just not a $40 million player. I think he's probably ready to get out of there, too. You saw him last week with the whole, you know, don't don't cheer me now type of thing. He 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 had the whole Julius Randle thing going for him, too, when they were booing him because they were on uh, Harris's ass. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit usaa.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Lincoln in the all-new 2024 Nautilus Hybrid. Featuring a customizable 48-inch panoramic display, available Revel audio system, and available perfect position front seats with active motion massage. Oh my God. The world isn't wide enough. Visit Lincoln.com to learn more. Some models, trims, and features may not be available or may be subject to change. Check with your local retailer for current information. Lincoln and Nautilus are trademarks of Ford or its affiliates. Do you want to mention LaMelo? Hit the big game winner against the Bucks. There's not been as much you know, fanfare for uh, LaMelo this year. But that is an interesting team, and the reason I want to bring them up is because it was a great uh, great win and huge shot last night, and they are one of the teams, in fact, they're the one that intrigues me the most regarding that Miles Turner talk. There's these teams that have come up um, in a Miles Turner trade, uh, the Lakers, the Knicks, the Mavericks. Uh, those are kind of all teams that have come up and, you know, I think that they could possibly uh, get in the mix too. the Hornets, um, you know, because they need to upgrade the Mason Plumlee spot. And that's where I think he could clean up a lot 
for them defensively. They're like 28th in defense right now because um, they've got a really good offensive team with their rolling, but they do need some defensive help. And the Miles Turner thing, it feels like it's, you know, coming to an end. Like he, we're going to see him in a different uniform. And I actually do feel like he is, he's got a chance to move the needle um, for somebody, whether that is, you know, the Lakers or the Knicks or Dallas or What are Charlotte. the Lakers going to give up for Miles Turner? Oh, come on. I mean, what are they going to give up? Every time people bring up the Lakers and that they would have interest in somebody when it's like Jeremy Grant or it's Miles Turner, like, oh, cool. They have interest in somebody. Nice. So, uh, and then it's like, yeah, they've got a Taylor Horton Tucker and a 2058 draft pick. And it's like, what the f- like, can we can we just not mention them for a why team does like, it, their uh, name a, does come up for in a player everything. like Miles Turner? <laughs> can, can we? Do, I, I know, but can we just not mention them for Miles Turner? They're not going to get Miles Turner. Knicks, Mavs, Hornets could all be really helped. Oh yeah, they they all could get him. They all could get him. Uh, with the the Charks pod on Wednesday, we do talk about uh, Charlotte for Turner. We we didn't get into New York for Turner. I'm intrigued by that. Uh, I'm intrigued by those other teams. You mentioned Dallas for Turner is very intriguing as well. Um, I mean, Miles Turner, he he's he's the type of guy that could definitely fit a lot of different places. I, I'm not so sure it's what you said, though, Chris, that we're heading towards it for sure. Not it's felt like that a couple times in the past that that Turner would be moved and then he wasn't. And I don't know. I don't know if that could happen again. History could repeat here for the Pacers, where they have some opportunities to deal him, and then nothing happens. I wonder if that could happen again here, and maybe it ends up being Sabonis who could be moved, or neither. Maybe the idiot keeps their team together, and nothing happens. Well, <laughs> just don't the, know. The, the reporting that came out said that it's going to ramp up because, and take it for what it's worth, that. That Sabonis, Levert, Miles Turner, that they're, that Indiana reportedly plans on focusing on its young players in Chris Duarte and Isaiah Jackson, leaving the veterans as prime trade targets ahead of the deadline. And so now they would have to get returned. They should, too. They've lost like what? I mean, they were they were nine and 12 at one point. Uh, they were 12 and 17 at one point. Now down to 15 and 26. They've lost a lot recently, man. Dropping a hell of a lot of games. I think that Charlotte team changes if they get Turner. I do. Again, they know they don't have to be great defensively, but he's leading the league in blocks, and he could he just can clean up a lot, you know, defensively for them. I think he fits. Borrego's begging for a center, and I think he kind of fits with what they have. I mean, they and they they've got some assets probably that they could give up. I kind of like that fit. As the best, as you as you mentioned, Dallas, uh, they are you are going to be talking with Charks about them. They have uh, turned up recently, and that has been it's been nice to see because they're certainly getting in the mix more so than they were um, at the beginning of the season. And while I didn't love that Jason Kidd hire, he really has gotten them defending. I'll give him that. You know, and so now there's a lot of these teams. We're talking about Philly earlier. This one with Dallas, where we brought, where you brought up the Miles Turner thing and said you're going to talk to Charks about it a bit. Like there's some of these teams that, even in just a few weeks' time, we view them much differently than we did, and we think to ourselves, man, if they just 
added a couple more guys, that's a team that, you know, it's pretty, I don't want to say wide open, but you could see their ceiling being a team that goes to the West Finals. Really? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think I think teams should go for it this year. I think they should go for it. I mean, even, even the Bulls, I mean, that that's the big philosophical question. I tweeted, I actually, I texted Kenny Beecham. Uh, big NBA YouTuber last week. I asked, I asked him, would you trade Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant? And then I tweeted it at him for like a Q and a, uh, he had something in his video about it. And, and he's, he's, he, like many bulls fans are very undecided about something like that. I think you trade Patrick Williams for Jeremy Grant. Uh, I think this is a year for deals like that to just go all in and go forward all, you don't know how long your window is going to be open. So if you're Chicago, uh, if you're, you know, even if you're Dallas Turner can help now and later, I mean, there, there's deals to be made that are beneficial in the short term and the long term for these franchises. But even like Jeremy Grant, two years left on his contract, DeRozan at his age, like you don't know how long your window is going to be open. You got to go for it, man. There's an opportunity to win it all this year. And I think while we talk about Dallas and Philly and those teams playing so well recently and that they add something, we can view them even differently. There's these teams that are going the complete opposite direction. And as we are just a few weeks away now from the trade deadline, then who just sells off? Who's not going to be competing for it? Because Sacramento has just They're been... not going to sell. They're not selling. You don't think so? They're not selling. They have a playoff mandate. You don't think that that Fox stuff comes back up? They're not. I mean, like it might come up, but they're not selling to tank. They're se- if they're not if they're to trading, tank. Like, we don't think that Atlanta's selling to tank, but they're clearly going to revamp the roster. But that's not. But that's not a seller. That's like exchanging pieces. Being a seller is like, oh, we're we're going to be losing more games here. Sacramento wants to make the playoffs. They want to get better, so they're buying. They're buying. No, no, no. And 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 look, look, look. Any of these teams that are faltering, like the Kings, like Atlanta, I view them as, and I talked to you a long time ago about how I want Fox on the Knicks. Or there's a lot of those Atlanta players, like you mentioned Collins, like you mentioned Bagdanovich. I like these guys a lot. That maybe seller is a bad word because that gives the connotation that then that it makes them worse. I think these teams, there's a lot of these teams that are underachieving, that have players that I think would be very beneficial and better fits elsewhere, which stands to reason because, hell, these teams have them and they're losing. So it ain't ain't working on that end. But there's a (laughs) lot of good players. Like sometimes the rat teams are just filled with, you know, nobody I want. There's a bunch of these underachieving teams that I actually think you could go and get some real players off of that could change your season. Totally agree with you. I mean, 100%. Like, it's like with Atlanta, we, we were just saying, like, uh, the pieces might not fit there, but Collins, Reddish, whoever it might be, they have guys who can work. Same same with Sacramento. Uh, I mean, the, like, if you're them, whether it's a Barnes or a Halliburton or a Fox or, like, healed shooting, they have individual pieces that can help a lot of teams. And, like, I think for, like, they're not sellers. They're not necessarily buyers, but they're in that position. They're like in, in a unique category where they might fall into the desperate category where they're the team that does have the responsibility of trying to make the playoffs. The front office is told we were making the playoffs this year. We're getting in. We're breaking the playoff list streak. We're getting in. So in that situation, they're the type of team that Philadelphia 
has been hoping for with Ben Simmons. They're the type of team that the Pacers would look for, for Turner or Sabonis, a team that is going to overpay for somebody who's going to help them in the short term. And we'll see if Sacramento were to do something like that. But monitor the Sacramento Kings when it comes to potential big trades leading up to the deadline. Keep an eye on them because uh, they're in a position where they need, they need to get in and they need help. So how are they going to find it? Well, I mean, and you just look right now. The, the safest route by wide margins being at worst eight, right? So then you just have to win one game to be able to keep your spot. They're five and a half games back from Minnesota. That's a lot to make up. So are you scrounging and clawing just to get nine or ten? When you say playoff mandate, I mean, I mean, at that point, you got to win two games, and you're probably having to win two games against. I mean, look at these teams. Either who, like LeBron who, or or it could be Jokic or, or Luka. Who are, you, yeah. <laughs> who are you winning against? I don't know, man. I don't care I don't what care. you add. You know, I don't care what you add. Right now, nine and ten are Clippers and Trailblazers. They, dude, they're they're closer. They're closer to the Rockets. <laughs> they're four and a half up from Houston. They should be going the other way. Like, I think some of these franchises and these this owner owner crews like they need to reevaluate and think about it in a different way. I know, like you've been losing for a long time. But it's okay to lose one more year. (laughs) You're just gonna if you even if Sacramento gets like the nine or the ten, and if they win that game, odds are that second playing game gonna be really hard to win. And even if you win that and you get in as the eight seed, and like you're like, yeah, we had two epic wins. You're always gonna remember the Halliburton game winner against the Lakers to get the eight seed. Like what an amazing thing! Then you're gonna get whoops against the Warriors or the Suns. It's not worth it over the alternative because that's what happened last year with the Wizards. The Wizards made it. They drafted Corey Kispert with the 15th pick in an alternate universe somewhere. The, the Washington Wizards bottomed out. They got a top pick. They nailed that top pick. And now they're in a position where they actually have a more a brighter future. That's the alternate future. Let me play devil's advocate. The Grizzlies did beat the Warriors, and got in. And yeah, they got whooped. But they won a playoff game. John Moran had 47 points on the road against Utah in a game. And they got some scars and took some lumps against that Utah team, which I absolutely believe helped propel them into the current season that they are having. So that is the other side of this. But that's after they had Ja. But there is something, I'm just making the point that there is something worthy about making it and, quote, getting whooped. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's about the timing of it. The, the, the Grizzlies had jaw. The, the Kings don't have their jaw. Well, they've done the draft pick thing. They've tried that. <laughs> but they don't have their jaw. They don't have their jaw. The, 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 the Wizards have Beal. They don't have... His team. I mean, it's it's just like I'm. I'm just thinking like alternate universe world here. You. Everybody says they have their job, but I'll tell you this: I pulled up a thing. It was not. It was less than eight months ago. Less than eight months ago. And this was not some source of massive like outrage nationally. ESPN put out their list of the top players that you'd want to build around. Whatever under twenty five. Morant wasn't in the top 10 
Really? Fo- Fox serious? was like number five. What? Darren Fox averaged like when, 25 when this points a game. You serious? De- April of last year. Oh, my God. I mean, me? De'Aaron Fox. I mean, didn't, didn't they also have Jay Crowder ahead of DeMar DeRozan a couple years ago? I mean, all I'm telling you is De'Aaron Fox was averaging like 25, 26 points a game last year and was viewed in a much different way than he is now, nine months later. John Morant wasn't even ranked amongst the top 10 guys under 25. That list had changed pretty dramatically. He might be at the very top of that list at this point or close to, right? Um, certainly a much better argument than others. So uh, things things does rapidly change. I mean, Morant was 15th. Ahead of Trey, behind Michael Porter Jr., how things, things change, change. I rapidly. Mean, I, I, mean, I mean, I mean, to be fair, like to that list of him being four, 15th, there's a lot of great young players in the NBA. Like, just looking, just looking at the list, like it's like Shea Gildas Alexander, Bam Booker, Ingram. Look where Brown, Fox is. Tatum. Fox was sixth last okay. year, or last April. That's that was too high. I get it, but it wasn't like insanity. He was averaging 25 points a game or whatever and was winning games and they looked like they were in a better spot and, you know, the Halliburton thing was fun and whatever else. And so things do, opinions change rapidly within eight, nine months. Do you think I've soured too much on Fox? I think everybody has. Everybody. That's why I want him in New York. Mm. I'm a believer, you know. I think that that just saps the life out of you there. I do. I've had too many people tell me that. I mean, we've had, remember when Solomon Hill tweeted at Buddy Healed? You know, I'm sorry for you still being in Sacramento. There's been a lot of instances of players making, cracking jokes about that. Yeah. And it's ownership. It always comes back to ownership. Yeah, it's, it's ownership and, and uh, the mistakes of Vladi Divac. I mean, they've had good coaches too. They had Malone, they had Jaeger. You know, every time they're on to something, you know, they switch up. They won't keep Alvin Gentry. Alvin Gentry will be swapped out too. So now you got these young players and they, how many coaches Darren Fox had already? You know, I mean, it's, it's tough. It's tough on, it's tough on players. The Kings should bottom out. That's what they should do. One more time. For old time's <laughs> sake. One more, <laughs> one more time. They're going to break Donald Sterling's record. Unbelievable. Yeah, one, one more time. They should, they should break the record. This is a good draft. This is a good draft. It, it is. And if you're Sacramento and if you're going to make the play in this year just for the, the potential chance of a first round spanking at the hands of the Warriors with the Suns, it's not worth it. Like, it's just not. I know you're a long way off from doing your draft stuff, but you have to pay attention throughout the year. Are you buying this whole, it's not just Holmgren and the Duke kid, but the Auburn kid could end up being the dude? Jabari Smith Jr. has a chance out of Auburn. Six foot ten, averaging over 20 points per 36. Um, right now, like if, if, if you extrapolate out what he's doing to NBA workload, um, th- this guy is going to be somebody who is hitting spot up threes for you, who's attacking closeouts at 6'10", who can create off the dribble, who can grab defensive rebounds and go coast to coast a little bit. He's got defensive versatility. He's like character wise. Everybody you talk to about him personality wise, he's a hard worker, son of a former NBA player, loves the game, loves the process. Uh, he's a s- selfless player. 
Um, like, like against Syracuse's zone, he was the guy in the middle of that defense picking apart everybody, making passes to break the Syracuse zone. Jabari Smith Jr., I mean, just straight numbers, 15 points per game, six rebounds, two assists, one block, two steals. Um, like, as his season develops, as the opponents get tougher for Auburn, I'll be curious to see how his, how his numbers change. Um, let's see if if volume increases for him. Um, but like this guy, he has a real shot at going number one. But with that said, though, people you talk to around the league, there's a lot of split opinions. Some people have Holmgren one out of Gonzaga, seven footer shot blocker who shoots threes. Some people have Paolo Bancaro, number one out of Duke, kind of like a versatile interior guy who's still developing his three-point shot um but like there's a lot of people increasingly who have the guy who's a over a year younger than chet holmgren over six months younger than paulo bancaro and that's jabari smith jr is their first pick and that he's kind of really pushed his way up 610 shooting 40 percent from three chris 610 shooting 40% from three, doing an off the dribble and off the catch. That that's that's a major skill that can give him the edge over Holmgren and Ben Caro, both of whom are a bit more shaky from the three-point line. Yeah, I gotta I gotta find out if I could uh oh wow. It's actually this Saturday night. I'll be damned. I don't think I could get down there, but I was gonna tell you, I'm I I go uh they play um, at Ole Miss, which is drivable for me, so that I could go see him in person. That's actually Saturday night they play at Ole Miss. He would be one that would be worthy of going to see in person, for sure. And that's the closest he'll be to me. On the ringer.com today, Jay Kyle Mann, moving away from video, he wrote an article on the ringer.com why Jabari Smith Jr. might be the best prospect in the 2022 NBA draft. Kyle and I, he was on the Void Pod last week, and we talked about Jabari Smith Jr. Uh, so if you want to listen to that, look at last week's Void Pod with me and Jay Kyle Mann, and also on the Ringer today. Got a whole long article out about Jabari Smith Jr. to learn all about him. What timing? Yeah, it's perfect. I think, I mean, I mean, if you want, this is like a peek behind the curtains here. Like, we're not allowed to use college basketball footage. <laughs> so it makes sense to do this as an article instead of a video. Is that true? <laughs> Yeah, you can't use college basketball footage. Did that change? Like on like no nobody like even Draft Express before they went to ESPN, like they weren't allowed to use it. I think even if you look at their videos, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure like the ESPN draft videos are now like ESPN games. It won't be like Pac-10 or something like that or like local networks. The NCAA is like real finicky about that. Fair use doesn't apply. Yeah, also uh, (laughs) which it should. That's lame. I mean, I, I think like the remember how like the NFL for years didn't allow you know clips videos on on Twitter. They still don't you they still don't allow YouTube clips either. But I think they should. I think there's a real benefit to uh, having that type of analysis on YouTube breakdowns like channels like Thinking Basketball, you know, or even stuff like Coach Nick B Ball Breakdown. Like that stuff educates fans. I agree with you completely. Kevin, it is always a pleasure. Thank you to our producer, Jesse Lopez, as always. Kevin, I'll talk to you on Friday. Can't wait. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. 
Au contraire, you're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. 